to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you. While we're stirred, why don't we welcome Sheffield and Derby. We're streaming to those locations. It's so good to be in one room together on Conference Sunday. Come on, you can take your seats wherever you are. We also want to welcome anyone, again, that's new in any of our services in Sheffield, in Derby, here in Chesterfield. We also want to welcome you if you're watching online. We have hundreds of people watch uh, this service online too. So come on, why don't we give a great welcome to all those people. Conference Sunday, Icon Conference. Well, I'm always super proud of our church. Volunteers, the team, the creatives, uh, the people who serve. You're like six and something hours yesterday with 20 kids was just incredible team of of children's workers just in to help us in our conference. I'm proud of, you know, the people we were able to interview and have on stage uh, launching charities, Andy and Kersey in Sheffield and Known Valued Loved and all of that. I'm just proud of all of that. I'm proud of the fact that as a church, we've got such an incredible atmosphere of faith. The worship here today has just been outstanding, uh, brilliant, incredible. This was a church we dreamed of, but we're continuing to dream. Dreamers, builders and pioneers. And I kind of want to just go back to the very start of the conference and then pick that up because I feel like there's been a theme all the way through the conference where God wants to do something significant that means we walk away from this weekend different and I believe that this morning there is this breakthrough I I really felt when God gave me this message I kind of said in my prayer God wow you've you've trusted me with that I couldn't believe that God would trust me with that message Now the only thing is whether I can get it out or not. (laughs) So we'll see. But PJ got on this stage and he didn't sort of start his message as normal. Pastor PJ and I loved hanging out with him and he's become a credible friend over many years. And he said this, the hurt ends now. And you know, I, I was just thinking about that, that actually that can happen. I remember a season in the life of our church where, let, let's just say, oh, church was hell for three and a half years. Let's just put it like that. Sorry, if you didn't think church could be like that. And church is meant to be heaven. But we had three and a half years of hell. And I remember one Sunday morning, and it was awful. It was just terrible. And we were, we were plowing away. We had great leaders, and we were plowing away at creating a healthy church, not a toxic church, a, a church that reflected heaven and not hell, and, and uh, not even a, a church that reflected earth, but a church that reflected the kingdom of heaven. And I remember we had this morning, and it was terrible. And I went, and I got in the car, and I said to Jeannie, that's it. It's over. She thought I was quitting. It wasn't that. I knew in that moment, that was the end of it. The hurt would end in that moment. And the following week, let me just tell you that Ruth and Andy Sheldon with Ella and Chloe came to church. That week was the first good thing that had happened in three and a half years. I spent the whole day praying that they would come back. I was in a meeting in Lincoln. It takes me an hour from my house to Lincoln. We prayed for a whole hour just that Ruth and Andy, Ella and Chloe would come back. They're sat here in our service today. How good is that? And that was a turn. And I believe turns can happen in God's timing. So the title of my message is simply this today. The Spirit hovers over the waters. 
the Spirit hovers over the waters. I want to read two verses from Genesis chapter 1. You know, probably... Oh, it's in my top two or top three chapters of the Bible that if I only had one chapter, which would I choose? And Genesis 1 is definitely in that top three pick. And it says this, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's already there. It's all there. But the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit hovers over the waters. This is the promise of new creation. And the promise of new creation is not just a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. And I wonder what if these two verses offer us something so significant, so vital, so inspiring, so powerful, So potentially life-changing. If all we had was the phrase I've just read to you, it would be enough for the whole of our life. That if he could grasp the significance in these few words, that it's enough for the whole of life. Well, let's see. Let's see if that's the case. I want to talk first of all about how we ruined the Bible. Uh, You didn't think you'd get that in church. You thought, how the Bible's great. That's what you thought you'd get in church. No, how we ruined the Bible. I want to take you back to the 400s. I want you to take you back to an African bishop called Augustine. And Augustine of Hippo. And Augustine of Hippo said and did some incredible things. One incredible thing he said was this. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In fact, on our youth album, Youth Sound, there's a song called Rest. In its early days being created, it was called the Hippo Song. Because it has something like that. Because it comes from this quote from Augustine of Hippo. But, but this guy, actually, and the church at that time, in the 400s, gave some other ideas. They gave us the idea of original sin, thinking about the sin of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. I'll come back to that in a second. Augustine also gave us the idea of just war, told us when it was okay to kill somebody. He gave us the idea of individualized faith, that, that faith is a personal thing and not a corporate thing not a good idea. He gave us the, the idea of double predestination. Double predestination is a doctrine that says, I, you're in Debbie, you're not Nathan, and you have no decision in the matter. You will be saved, you will be lost, you will be in heaven, you will be in hell. That's the idea of double predestination, and Augustine gave us that idea. Augustine said, let's have a relationship between the church and the state. Let's bring the two together. Let's give the church the power to rule the state, etc. He had some bad ideas. He had some good ideas. Let me talk about original sin for a second, because I think from this idea, we ruined the Bible. You see, the idea of original sin says to you and I that everything within us is broken, flawed, and no good. And that therefore means that your deepest desires are wrong. That your deepest self is wrong. And that that which is deepest within you is broken. I want to challenge that today. I want to say that sin is a real thing. But sin covers up the real you. Because the real you is the you created in Genesis 1, not the you falling in Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, God created man and said, it's good. He created man and woman and he said, it's very good. Your deepest desires, your deepest longings, the truest you is good. 
The challenge that we all have is the problem of sin covers up the truest us. It puts all this clutter so that we can't get down to our truest self. And so Jesus comes and he takes all that sin and he takes all that clutter and he nails it to a cross so that we can get to the to the image of God in each and every one of us, the divine spark that is in every human being. I think that idea ruined the Bible. It means that the deepest self cannot be trusted because it's off, it's wrong, it's no good. But the deepest self is the you made in the image of God and that's good and that's what we need to recover. You see, it reduced the Bible to a flat text where we just read the Bible and we just read it in every generation and we just read it as a flat text, you know. So some people, we read Genesis 1 as if it's trying to tell us about science. Genesis 1 is never a science book in any way. And therefore, the Bible got stripped of its beauty. It got stripped of its creativity. It got stripped of the idea that the Bible is multi-layered. It's inspired by the Spirit. And therefore, there's not just the layer that you read and think at first glance, but there's layer after layer after layer after layer. And Genesis 1, we forgot, was a piece of art. And it's a song. It's a poem. That it's a thing of beauty. That it's full of philosophy. That it's full of theology. And it's got all these layers. And it speaks to our deepest and truest self the truest self the deepest self that is good yes sin needs dealing with yes we need to nail that sin to the cross of Jesus and seek to live for God and let his spirit recover the deepest part of us but actually we've got to stop ruining the Bible and we've got to see that God is doing something different here so let's get into it I think these verses for me speak about what it means to be human what it means to be fully alive Let's think about the phrase formless and empty. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was without form, formless and empty. It's a Hebrew, it's poetry, it's Hebrew, and it rhymes, tohu vabohu. And it means wild and waste. It means deserted, desolate. And then it says, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And that phrase is talking about, it was chaotic. It was disordered. There was no order. You see, Genesis 1 is more about how God ordered and brings new creation than how God made the world. In fact, Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but this is what it was like. Formless, void, chaos, disorder, dangerous, and a place of loss. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Empty, desolate, chaotic, loss. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever experienced that? Every person in this room can say yes. And that's why this speaks to what it means to be totally human. It's speaking to the human condition. But we've all felt empty. We've all felt dark. We've all felt that life is chaotic. We've all felt loss in our lives. But the spirit hovers over the waters. And you might be in this place today and you say, that's my life. It's pretty dark. It's pretty chaotic. I'm feeling a lot of loss right now. But the Spirit hovers over the waters. And if the Spirit hovers over the waters, there's a promise of new creation. If the Spirit hovers over the water, the word for Spirit is ruach. It means breath. 
You can feel that breath. I can feel these bass subs stood on the front row. I can feel the wind. I can feel the breath of the bass. The breath of God is over your chaos, your desolation. The spirit hovers over the deep, over the chaos, over the desolate, over the loss. He's always hovering over the waters. Can you see how we've ruined the Bible? We've tried, we've tried to look into it and instead of seeing that God is speaking to us about our life and human life and his promise that there'll be a new creation, whatever we face, we've just tried to make it a science text and it was never meant to be that. The spirit hovers over our fears. Have you ever felt afraid? Sometimes we feel afraid of what could be. We feel afraid of the future. Uh, we, we feel afraid of what was, what happened in our lives in the past. We can feel fear because of loss in our lives. How will I cope? Because I've lost something in my life. We, we feel this in everyday things. I remember I was just thinking when Zion's birthday, six, I was just thinking back to when he was three and taking him to the lake. And I remember a day at the lake and I held his hand and the sun was shining, the lake was shimmering and I held his hand and I, and, uh, you know, we were feeding, we were there when the ducks were round and, you know, they were feeding on stuff around us. And, and I had this thought, this is perfect. And you want that moment to last forever, don't you? And something creeps in, sadness in that moment, because that moment will not last forever. Jeannie said to me last week, you know, he's growing up too fast. Have you ever said that about your kids? They're growing up too fast. Well, how fast do you want them to grow up? I mean, have... here's what's happening. You're fearing loss, the loss of the moment. But even in that situation, the spirit hovers over the waters and he promises new creation. We become afraid because we think I'll never have that moment again. Have you ever been sad about an age milestone? Have you ever been sad about hitting 30 or hitting 40 or hitting 50 or hitting 60 or hitting 70 or 80? And you become sad about those age milestones. But most people and most of us who felt that sadness of hitting an age milestone, you wouldn't go back. You wouldn't go back to 27 or 28 or 29 because of all the stuff that's happened in between. Even though it's life and it's had its goodness, it's had its darkness <coughs> you wouldn't go back but the sadness is a sense of loss I've lost some time and joy gets robbed by sadness it gets robbed by the fear of scarcity that there's not enough it gets robbed by the fear that God is not good enough to keep offering new creation but I want you to know today God is so good that he continually offers new creation in our life that God hovers over the tohu vabohu of our lives. And because of our fear, we resist change. We don't like things to change. We don't like things to stop. We don't like things to be different. And we resist change. And you know why we resist change? Because we're afraid. We're scared of loss. We want to hold on forever. But the Spirit is hovering over the waters. And sometimes we look back because we're afraid and we try to immortalize the past. And we say things like, wasn't it great when? But the spirit hovers over the waters. We've had great days as Icon Church and 
I love the fact that we take loads of photographs and we've got pictures and we've got memories and we've got stories and we can, we can talk about all of those and that's good. But we declare as a church in Sheffield, in Derby, in Chesterfield and anywhere else that we turn up, the best is yet to come. And do you know why we say the best is yet to come? Because the Spirit hovers over the waters. God can keep generating the new. It can generate it in your life. It can generate it in my life. New creation is continually possible in our lives. It's not a one-time thing. We love smartphones. I love smartphones because they capture the moment and photos are good. And Jews, they had annual feasts that captured the moments and, and that made, they looked back and they gave thanks to God and they remembered the, the, the past. But we must not let the fact that something has gone lessen our joy today. We, in fact, we should allow its impermanence to heighten our joy. It's impermanence to heighten our joy because if it was permanent, we'd be stuck But its impermanence allows us to receive the new creation that God has for us today. It should heighten our joy. The Spirit offers offers new creation and hovers over the waters. There's breath. Let's think about the offer of new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says this. I'll read it off the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. That's a good translation, actually, because many translations says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But there's no he or she in that. In fact, the Greek language just says if anyone is in Christ, new creation. All the time, Jesus offers new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. New creation, new for all. The spirit hovering over the waters is the promise of new creation. And, and it, what if one layer of this multi-layered text in Genesis 1 is trying to tell us this, that God always offers us new for old, new creation, order out of chaos. I, I believe that's true. In verse 11, it says in Genesis 1, let the land produce. And the word produce is dashar in Hebrew. And it just means produce and produce and produce and produce. Because the writer of Genesis, the God of Genesis is trying to tell us new creation is always possible. Verse 21 of Genesis chapter 1 says, let the waters team. God doesn't say, let's just have a few fish. He says, let the waters team. And again, it's this team be filled. And God's goodness, his extravagance, his generosity is showing us that he's a God who can always continue to produce new creation. God offers us more than forgiveness. He offers us life. He offers us new life. He offers us new for old. Peace instead of anxiety. Or let's say it this way. Peace in the midst of anxiety. Sometimes we, we think, you know, if I'm, if I'm anxious, then I'm missing it. Because, because I, like, I, I, should be, I should be at peace. What if you can have peace in the midst of your anxiety? What if you can have a table in the midst of your enemies? As David says. Joy in the midst of mourning. What if you can have joy in the midst of mourning? Not just joy instead of mourning, but joy in the midst of mourning. What if you can have new in the midst of old? What if you can have freedom in the midst of bondage? Some of the great lines written have been written by people who were incarcerated for years. And they said, they never took away my freedom. They had freedom in the midst of bondage. What if you can have love? in the midst of fear and not just love instead of fear. I love that. 
I love that. And I believe God has that for our lives. It's the promise of new creation because the spirit hovers over the water. Romans 2.4 says this. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness or his goodness, it could be translated, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to follow him, to turn around, to actually shift from doing it our way to doing it his way. Because we know following him is a promise of new creation, new for all, joy in the midst of sorrow, purpose in the midst of wandering, freedom in the midst of bondage. His kindness leads us to the repentance. And as Nathan said, in our service here in Chesterfield this morning, repentance is to turn turn in in a different direction, but it also means to have a new way of thinking, a new mind. And it's God's goodness today that wants us to think differently. It's the offer of new creation. A couple of weeks ago, uh, somebody sent me an Instagram private message um, whatever they're called it's a young person and, and they're loving God they're loving church they're loving Jesus in their lives but they've got some questions and it's good to ask questions and they asked some questions and I tried to answer and then they asked this question why doesn't God heal everyone of cancer what a great question and I said this he does he does He does. How can I say that when people die of cancer? Because the spirit hovers the water over the water. And there's always a promise of new creation. And God is so good. Oh, like I'm in the wrong church today. He is so good that no one will escape knowing his goodness. He's not the puny little God we thought he was. We've ruined the Bible. He is so good that no one will escape his goodness. And some of his goodness we will know here and now. And there's a promise in our circumstances that we can trust of new creation here and now. But there's an ultimate promise of new creation. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. There's a promise of new creation. Same person asked another question. Slightly less difficult, slightly less controversial. I'm glad they got easier. (laughs) Why doesn't God answer all my prayers? Guess what I said? He does. He does. He does. He hears and he answers. We don't always see his answers here and now. We don't always see his answers the way he wants. But the spirit hovering over the waters is a call to trust him that he will always be the God who will bring new creation. And for us as believers, as followers of Jesus, we know that new creation can come in this life, but also it can come at the resurrection as well. So how does God bring new creation? What's the path to the new in our life? Well, Genesis gives us a bit of a clue, and then I just want to move to maybe a few final verses. Genesis says this, in Genesis 1 through 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. The path to new creation is God's word and light. God says, let there be light. Let me read three verses to you. Quick fire, back to back. They'll be on the screen. The first is Psalm 119 and verse 30. It says this, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. 
Bible's not saying that we're thick right there, right? It just means the ordinary, you know, the normal person. The unfolding, or another translation says, the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. What about this one? Psalm 139 and verse 12. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The darkness isn't a problem for God. The chaos, the disorder, the desolate, the desert. It's not a problem to God. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. It makes no difference to God whatsoever. He can still promise and bring new creation in your life. There can still be joy. There can still be life. There can still be freedom. Whatever's going on in your life. This one I love, John chapter 1. This is also on my list of three chapters that I would take somewhere if I only had to take one chapter of the Bible. John chapter 1 and verse 5, it says this. It's talking about Jesus in the previous verses, being the light of the world. And it says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Have you let the chaos, the disorder, the desolate, the dark overcome your life? then it's time to let the light shine in the darkness because the darkness cannot overcome the light. It's time to let Jesus be the light in the midst of the darkness because the darkness cannot overcome the light. And it says this, the light shines in the darkness. It's not shining on the darkness. Like you go to some churches today and the, 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 the light that is coming will be saying, like, you know, you're so bad, Amanda. Your deepest desires are wicked, they're wrong, they're off. The light shining on the darkness. You know, you know, Jane, you think you're something, but you're nothing. I'm not sure anybody would hear that in any church, but I just thought I'd take it to the extreme this morning. You get my idea. The light shining on the darkness, exposing the darkness. You are so sinful, Debbie. And I really mean that. And... Uh, <laughs> That's the light shining on the darkness. But the light doesn't shine on the darkness. It shines in the midst of the darkness and the darkness disappears. Jesus comes into the midst of the darkness and the darkness disappears. And if the light shines in the darkness and not on the darkness, it means we're coming through. It means there's victory. It means the new is coming. The new is here. It means there's a new season. Here comes something new. Somebody should write a song about that. Do you know that's my favourite line on the new album? Because I suggested it. Okay, I'm finishing with this. Genesis chapter 1. God creates three environments. Day 1, day 2, day 3. And then day 4, day 5, day 6. He fills them. Creates an environment in day 1. He fills it in day 4. It's not a science text. It's a text about human life and how God works to bring new creation. Day two, he fills it in day five. Day three, he fills it in day six. And then in day seven, he rests. He fills the darkness by creating three environments and filling them. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13 because God has got three environments for us that will produce new creation. It says, now these three remain, faith, Hope and love. Day one, day two, day three. And the greatest of these is love. God in your life and my life wants to create these three environments that will fulfill the promise continually of new creation. 
They will bring joy in the midst of sorrow. They'll bring peace in the midst of anxiety. They'll bring light in the midst of darkness. You can walk out of this place. You can walk away from this weekend knowing this, that there's a promise of new creation. What did you lose? What are you afraid of? There's still a promise of new creation in the midst. The light is shining in the midst of that darkness. Faith. These three remain faith. Faith is not belief. That's not what it means. It means faithfulness. How do you, how does God create? Actually, the guys can come back, the band can come back. How does God create? He creates it in the midst of our faithfulness, of following Him. Faith. He creates an atmosphere of faithfulness, of following Jesus. Steadfastness, following Jesus, trusting Jesus. Steadfastly trusting He's going to bring the new. He can bring the new, He will bring the new. Here comes something new. Continually trusting that Jesus will bring the new. An environment of faith, faithfulness. It's not belief. It's faithfulness. Hope. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. The assurance about what we do not see. This is actually closer to belief, but it's not actually just belief. Because when we think we believe something, we think, well, I, I believe something. It can be quite abstract. But no, this is, faith is the confidence of what we hope for. Faith is faithfulness, steadfastness. It's the confidence of what we believe for, of what we hope for. Hope is the expectation. That's what hope means. It's the expectation. I expect new creation, do you? I expect new for old. I expect the best is yet to come. I expect life from in death. I expect peace in the midst of anxiety. That's the expectation of hope. And faith is the confidence that new creation is coming because the Spirit hovers over the waters. And finally, love. An environment, an atmosphere of faith, faithfulness. Brings new creation in our life. An environment of hope, expectation for the new for God to resurrect things as we heard this morning dreams, whatever but an environment of love where there's no guilt no shame, no fear I haven't got this scripture but Romans 8 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus I've got a little note in my notebook and I look at it every day and I confess it every day and it says this I am shamelessly shame free it's based on that verse there is no condemnation Jesus has taken my sin. Oh, I still need to confess to him. I still need to let him, you know, deal with stuff in my life. I still need to bring stuff to the cross and say, God, I'm sorry. I give it to you. Please do that. But he doesn't want me to carry guilt and he doesn't want me to carry shame because he's come and took that for us. And the reason he came and took us is so that we don't live in Genesis 3. We live in Genesis 1 with the expectation of the new of new life no guilt no shame no fear because the spirit hovers over the waters there's breath on your life there's the ruach of God the breath of God and the word of the light are here to bring you new creation here comes something new if you've got chaos if you've got desolate stuff if you've got darkness today there's the promise the spirit hovers over the waters That's the promise. That's why it's there. It was written for you. It was written for me to know the Spirit hovers over our life, whatever's happening. And there's a light shining in the darkness. 
there's a promise of new creation. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. And after we've worshiped, Nathan will come, hand back to our locations and we'll close. But I'm praying today because I know that God trusted me with this word because he wanted us today to live in the new. To live in the new, to not be hampered and held back by the old, not be limping our way through life, but confident in the goodness of God and that God is so good that everyone will know and see His goodness in life. So come on, let's stand and let's pray. And I'm going to pray boldly. I'm going to pray confidently. I'm going to pray believing that this Word seals this weekend and we walk forward as a church into the goodness of God and into the the grace of God and all that He has for us. So Father, right now, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for that the Spirit hovers over this place, hovers over our life, hovers over our congregation in Sheffield, hovers over the people watching online, hovers over the people in Derby. There hovers over our lives here and now. The Spirit hovers over the waters. And so Holy Spirit, we ask You to come. We invite You into this moment. We invite You into this place. We invite You into these seconds and we will move out in faith knowing that You are hovering over the waters and that the promise of new creation never stops, that there's new for old, there's life for death, there's joy for sorrow, there's peace for anxiety. We thank You for that, that there's love instead of fear. We give You all the praise, we give You all the glory, we give You all the honour in this place. In Jesus' Name, Church, let's worship and let's praise Him today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.